Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Hey, good afternoon to you. It is 506 here, News Talk 105.9 WMAL, where we're making sense of the news. Coming up this hour, John Daniel Davidson joins us from The Federalist. We have a lot to talk about with him, including Nikki Haley's doomed campaign in New Hampshire. Not to spoil it or anything. <laughs> you can join us, 888-630-9625, 888-630-WMAL. Well, 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 that 2020 election was a big old disaster for any number of reasons, including the fact that our government decided to impose unconstitutional and ridiculous voting rules throughout. For more on this, I want to bring in a guest from America First Legal. He's the counsel for America First Legal. Uh, and he their organization has just sued the Department of Homeland Security over mail-in, the mass mail-in voting back in 2020. Michael Ding joins us. Now, Michael, good to have you with us, sir. Good to be here. Thank you. Uh, give us a sense of what your lawsuit's all about. Well, we sued um, the Department of Homeland Security and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency um, after we submitted a FOIA request to them. Yes. Didn't respond, and we're trying to get these records under, you know, court order um and you know as you have seen lately uh with these documents that we are re releasing that we receive from them in litigation uh you know the full extent of their censorship activities leading up to the 2020 election just continues to look worse and worse now, the documents uh reveal some fascinating information about the necessity of all of this mail-in voting what have you found well yeah that was definitely interesting about the in-person voting right like uh during covid there was a lot of noise about the dangers of you know the spread of infections and covid and there's studies saying that in-person voting might be risky but by september um folks at this agency in homeland security or CISA, um they were aware of the studies that said that you know there is no evidence that in-person voting would increase the spread of COVID. But even so, they continue to push and support this mail-in voting uh, change that was being implemented across all these different states. As far as mail-in ballots go, uh, what is what was the government's opinion of how safe they were, secure they were? Well, uh, you know, CISA, they identified a whole bunch of different um, you know, so-called cybersecurity and infrastructure risks right. uh, associated with that, right? Uh, I mean, you're talking about um, part of it is just even due to the fact that some of these changes were implemented last minute. And so local election officials would have to, uh, you know, implement the security side uh, to how to secure these new risks that are created from mail-in voting on a compressed timeline. So that by itself was a new risk. But of course, you know, we're also talking about everything from chain of custody with the postal system, mm -hmm. the mail processing facilities, 
and just other integrity attack vectors, whether it goes to voter registration data um, or other systems that, you know, just complicates the entire risk environment when compared to in-person voting. So uh, in in the documents I see today, uh, again, obtained by America First Legal and released, CISA knew that mail-in and absentee voting are way less secure than in-person voting. Uh, and they confirmed the warnings that President Trump had given at the time that there would be fraud concerns. And CISA shared these concerns apparently with mainstream media outlets during an unclassified meeting the Friday before the 2020 election. However, the mainstream media refused to share that with the public? Oh, that was the craziest thing about this, right? In, in terms of what happened in 2020, uh, that is, if that isn't proof that the agencies in the deep state were very much, um, you know, working hand in glove with the mainstream media outlets, uh, that was the best part, right? You have CISA here doing this tour with the media to share these documents that we have posted online about the risks with mail-in ballots and mail-in voting. Yet the narrative that the Washington Post came up with was all about promoting CISA director Chris Krebs is someone who is, you know, willing to stand up to Trump, willing to contradict Trump and being an independent from Trump. Um, yet, as it turns out, um, you know, Trump's concerns and Attorney General Barr's concern about mail-in voting was recognized by CISA. But that's not the story that The Washington Post wanted to promote. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, we were told all of a sudden that mail-in voting was practically a sacrament. It was going to be is one of the best things you could do in your entire life. Um, another another bullet point here from uh, some of your findings. CISA relied upon a consulting firm called Deloitte, people are probably likely familiar with, an accounting and consulting firm, to gather disinformation narratives regarding vote-by-mail across social media for the purpose of monitoring and censorship. What can you tell us about that? I think the Deloitte angle just shows the extent to which this, you know, not it's not a very large federal agency, um, but the extent they went to, to, you know, in my opinion, go beyond the scope of their specific authorities and mission, which is protecting cybersecurity and infrastructure, to this widespread internet surveillance where they have to contract with large, you know, big four accounting firms just to track and analyze uh, social media trends all across the internet, you know, whether it's specific themes such as COVID-19 or risks about vote by mail, the fact that they yes. outsource this just further confirms how much beyond their core missions that this goes to. Well, they shouldn't think, insource it either. I mean, the point of the agency is cybersecurity and infrastructure. Why would they be in the police speeching, excuse me, speech policing business? Right, right. And in one of the lawsuits that America First Legal is also involved in, um, where we are suing uh, on behalf of, uh, you know, the Gateway Pundit founder, um, as well as Joe Hines, we're, we're suing the so-called researchers in the election integrity partnership that CISA also outsourced the censorship activity to. And, you know, in, in our press release, we talk in reference uh, the report recently issued by the House Judiciary Committee and their investigation showing that CISA more or less, you know, one, they knew they were a government entity, so they can't infringe on First Amendment rights. Two, they don't have the resources to scour the internet 
and flag specific social media posts. So they outsource that to a bunch of researchers from Stanford, uh, University of Washington, Atlantic Council, um, and others um, just to do their dirty work for them. And so Deloitte is just another piece of that showing just how far they went to outsource this uh, activity that you know, I'm pretty sure they knew was unconstitutional so, to begin with. So the critical question, having looking back on all of this, is what does it bode for this year's election? What do we what do we expect this year? And is there an improved picture? Well, one thing that I think many folks in this First Amendment space is eager to see is uh, the Missouri versus Biden case, which is up before the Supreme Court. Right. Um, now under the title of Murphy. Um, and we will see whether the Supreme Court um, lets the injunction go back in place. So in the Missouri versus Biden case, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a injunction preventing CISA from doing this exact thing. Um, but right now, I think it's stayed. And so we're all eager to see what the Supreme Court is going to decide. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it's, I, I am too. And I, boy, I hope they side with free speech. I'm concerned about the Supreme Court, but I, I really do hope they, they side with free speech uh, going into this election. Uh, thank you very much, Michael Ding with America First Legal. Nice to talk to you today, sir. Thank you, Vince. All right. Uh, keeping an eye on uh, Joe Biden in Manassas today. Uh, apparently, I'm seeing a tweet here that, uh, oh, well, it looks like the Secret Service is just attending to him. RNC has put out a tweet saying the Secret Service has swarmed Biden as he wraps his, up his remarks, which were interrupted by pro-Hamas protesters at least 13 times. They have pro-terrorist protesters at these events. It's amazing. Uh, as Biden is advocating for more death here in the United States, you can see um, the point of the, the, uh, the event today was to support aborting more babies. And uh, it's just... And there was another pro-death group that was upset he wasn't talking about their version. Anyway, uh, that was happening today. And the Secret Service, they do move to Biden. But the reason for that appears to be that Biden began working a rope line behind his lectern. And it looks like Secret Service agents moved in to begin monitoring the handshakes as they do. You see this happen all the time with uh, presidents and presidential candidates. Secret Service agent watching everybody like a hawk to to see how they interact with the candidate or the uh, the office holder. Uh, so we'll keep you updated on uh, things there. As far as New Hampshire is concerned, my understanding is that Biden was speaking pretty openly today about uh, Trump being the nominee. Biden uh, has been told, apparently, that Trump's got this thing wrapped up. Somebody finally let him know. And uh, it is amazing to see here. Uh, there's, there's a couple things uh, to bring to your attention. One of them is that there is a Democrat primary today going on in New Hampshire. Now, the, the DNC does not really want you to know that. They do not want to emphasize this at all. In fact, they tried to change the whole calendar to make it so that it was just South Carolina that went first for racial reasons. I'm not kidding. That's actually why they changed the composition of their, their primary process. They said uh, they assessed the skin color of the residents of South Carolina and said they would be preferable. So they decided to go first with South Carolina. The goal is to make it so that Biden has smooth sailing, apparently, for the reelect, uh, for at, the, at least for getting the nomination again. But a congressman by the name of Dean Phillips is running for real in New Hampshire. His name's actually on the ballot, whereas Joe Biden's name is not. They didn't put his name on the ballot because they didn't want to dignify it. So there's a write-in campaign today for Biden. It's all it's what a dumpster fire. They can't even they can't even handle ballots.
Well, they handle a lot of ballots, but they can't handle getting Joe Biden's name on one. And here's the thing. Dean Phillips is saying it is a crisis situation for Democrats because nobody likes Biden. And he is detecting that a whole lot of people like Trump. Listen to Dean Phillips talking to CNN this week. And I'll tell you something. Last night, I saw a Trump rally outside of mine. I walked up to the line of people a mile long. And I simply said hello. I was met with 50 people going to the Trump rally hmm. who were friendly, hospitable, thoughtful. Some who said they voted for Barack Obama. Some said they were Bernie Sanders supporters, about half of whom had never been to a Trump event before. So to everybody watching right now, Donald Trump is on a big mission to win. And Joe Biden is going to get creamed. And I just wish Democrats would wake up this? and ensure that at least we give it our best shot. Because right now, I'm afraid we are deluded into a nightmare. Joe Biden is going to be creamed. Donald Trump is on the path to re-election here. Uh, Dean Phillips also talking to reporters in a separate exchange in the last 24 hours, telling them that they're not even asking questions that people give a bleep about. I've said this 18,000 times. I'm only doing this to defeat Donald Trump. Nobody seems to want to do that in the Democratic Party right now other than me, because Joe Biden can't is my proposition, because the data says he can't. No one in the country right now cares. In fact, most of the people in the country are going to the Trump rally right now because he's listening to them. No one's asking about this stuff. <laughs> I'm just frustrated. I hope you understand why I'm getting tired of it. You're doing your jobs, but you're not asking the questions that Americans give a shit about. <laughs> uh, he's at his wit's end. He's like, I want to defeat Trump. Trump's going to win this thing. I'm walking all over New Hampshire. Everybody likes Trump. Do you understand? Do you understand? One New Hampshire voter told CNN that she voted for Nikki Haley today. She prefers her. Voted for Nikki Haley because I was voting against Donald Trump. And what what propelled you to get to this point? I want to. I'm 74 years old. I've lived in a constitutional democracy all my life. It's like a constitutional republic. I want to remain that way, and I want my grandchildren to grow up in one. And Not a dictatorship. Not a dictatorship. I got news for you, honey. Uh, there's a there's a guy right now who's making it like that, very much so. Tyranny out of control. Also on CNN, uh, they ran into a quote unquote voter who said that she wrote in Joe Biden today in the Democrat primary, and she didn't like Dean Phillips. CNN did not reveal the background of this woman. I will in just a moment. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby Abby, Scabby at the whole school. Yeah, just I hurt me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. New Hampshire Democrats primary is a little confusing. The DNC made South Carolina the first official contest, making Tuesday's results somewhat meaningless on the Democratic side. President Biden's name is not even on the ballot. He didn't campaign in the state. Well, I'm kind of angry about it. And some people have said, why should we write his name in when he won't even give us the time of day? Why should we even write his name? in? That's a Democrat. It's a de Biden and company are just ticking off Democrats, too. They're awful at this. It shows you why they have so much contempt for democracy. They, they'd like to exclude the voters at all costs. <laughs> they, they, they're not trying to impress them. Fox News apparently has exit polls right now of the New Hampshire voters coming out of the polls. 
Uh, 10% of the Democrats voting in the primary today said they won't vote for, for uh, the Democrat if Biden's the nominee. <laughs> Amazing. CNN this morning spoke to a voter who did vote for Biden. They just described her as an anonymous voter who wrote Joe Biden's name in. More on who she actually is in a second. Not on the ballot, but supporters can write it in. There's one Democratic voter who did just that. Uh, wrote in Joe Biden. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Um, were you disappointed that his name actually wasn't on the ballot, or was that a secondary issue to you? Um, disappointed, but very happy to vote for him by writing his name in. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Dean Phillips hit this state very, very hard, um, trying to... I mean, really take advantage of the fact that Joe Biden was not um, on the ballot. How, did any of that campaigning get through to you, matter to you, or were you unwavering the whole time? I was unwavering, and I actually found him annoying. I actually found him annoying, she says. What CNN doesn't tell you here, and I, I see some people saying online that CNN just didn't know. They were just ignorant of the fact. But I don't, I don't know, and she didn't admit it either. That is the former head of the Democrat Party in New Hampshire. That's not just like just some random voter. It's a dyed-in-the-wool party operative, one of the leaders of the state's Democrat Party, talking to CNN like she was just some rando. Yeah, yeah, I wrote Joe Biden's name in. Dean Phillips is annoying. <laughs> what? Wait. A random New Hampshire voter stopped by CNN to talk to us. It's all a big lie. It's like these, you know, you know, when you have those town halls and you're like, oh, random voter has a question. Then you find out it's actually a party operative. That just keeps happening. Maybe it's not a mistake. <laughs> Maybe not. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt today. I'm a nice guy. Coming up, John Daniel Davidson is here from The Federalist. We'll talk about what's, what's next for Nikki Haley's campaign. We're all waiting to see. Good afternoon to you. 534 here, News Talk 105.9 WMAL, where we're making sense of the news. You can join us today, 888-630-9625, 888-630-WMAL. As I was saying moments ago, Joe Biden, a short while ago, was speaking in Manassas, Virginia, at a death cult rally. They were all getting together. They want to abort more American children. You know, our birth rates are plummeting. You know what we need more of? Abortion. <laughs> They're really campaigning on this. While Biden was there, he delivered what is sure to be a new favorite among our audio clips. Here's, here's the president of the United States today, mumbling nonsense. Uh, take a listen to this. Here we go. We'll teach Donald Trump an, a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Yeah, remember. Don't mess with the woman unless you want to get the benefit. All right? You mess with the woman, you get the horns. <laughs> uh, and, of course, uh, that clip can't be played without this famous one. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to foot him uh, foot, foot. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, meanwhile, the race to replace Joe Biden is going on today in New Hampshire. The New Hampshire primary has occur is occurring. Uh, Donald Trump set to win it handily. Nikki Haley is staying in the race for some reason, though. And for more on that, I want to bring in John Daniel Davidson. He is a senior editor at The Federalist, and he can string together English sentences. John, great to have you with us, sir. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Really nice to talk to you. All right, so Nikki Haley is a fascinating person. 
Uh, she's in this primary. Ron DeSantis got got out over the weekend and said, look, I don't see a path forward. Is there a path forward for Nikki Haley? Oh, no, absolutely not. Her support is entirely manufactured. Her real constituency are moneyed interests in Washington, D.C., mostly in the defense industry. Uh, but no, she doesn't have any real base of support, especially among the GOP primary electorate. Uh, and I think we're going to see whatever number she has tonight in New Hampshire are going to be partly due to Democrats and independents crossing over and voting in an open GOP primary. And we have seen some evidence that that's actually what's happening, right? Yeah, that's right. There's been this is this was the reporting that goes back to October when uh, that that was the deadline for New Hampshire residents to either change party affiliation or just drop party affiliation, uh, which, of course, in New Hampshire, um, if you have no party affiliation or you switch party affiliation, you can just you can vote whatever whatever primary you want to. So uh, the largest voting block in New Hampshire is, are actually unaffiliated or independent voters who are free to vote in the GOP primary or the Democrat primary, whatever they want. Uh, and so we're going to see a lot of those people, of course, voting for Nikki Haley tonight. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. She, uh, I heard Donald Trump over the weekend indicated uh, that he is not inclined to make her his running mate. There was some chatter that he might might do that, but he said that she doesn't have presidential timber. And as a result, it's very unlikely that he would pick her as vice president. Oh, yeah. I think it would be a huge mistake. For one thing, I think it would be very dispiriting to uh, his base of support, uh, which, of course, is completely out of step with the things that Nikki Haley actually says. If you listen to her, she doesn't sound anything like uh, what the Republican base likes or wants out of a, a presidential or vice presidential candidate. She's way out of step with the rank and file members of the party uh, and represents uh, really the GOP that Trump destroyed in 2016, which is sort of like the GOP of, of John McCain or Mitch McConnell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was listening to uh, my friend and colleague uh, Mark Levin last night. He, he described her, uh, her, her position on life as, as, quote, incoherent. Which I agree with. I've, you know, she's she stood up on that debate stage and she made she claimed she was pro life and simultaneously made a vigorous defense of abortion on stage. Uh, right. She she kind of seems to want everything both ways. Oh yeah, it, it's the same on almost every issue, uh, especially the really sort of hot button issues like that require moral clarity. Uh, you get none of that from Nikki Haley, whether it's abortion. Whatever the issue, you're not going to get a straight answer from Nikki Haley, uh, and, and that that's because I don't think she really believes anything. Um, you know, she has no moral center, and I think she'll pretty much say whatever her financial backers tell her to say. Over the weekend, or just just in the last few days, she was talking to NBC News, uh, and she sat down for an interview with uh, with uh, two women. I'm not quite sure who these women are, but they've they've done a couple of these interviews. With these presidential candidates, they look really unhappy when they're doing the interviews for some reason. Um, but as they're doing it with Nikki Haley, Nikki tried to appeal to them by saying that uh, growing up, she was the victim of constant racism. Take a listen to this. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep South as a brown girl. Now, we can also look at photos of her. She doesn't, she doesn't look brown at all. I don't even know what she's really exactly talking about. What is this? 
This is Nikki Haley doing what she has done time and time again, where she accepts the premise of the left when she's dealing with the media. Any media questions that are framed around a leftist narrative of identity politics uh, or sort of, you know, race essentialism, she just accepts the frame. She doesn't challenge the priors that are embedded in the question um, and, and then tries to appeal to them by flattering their, their prior assumptions. Um, th this is, it's crazy, too, that as the twice-elected governor of a southern state, she would go on to the ma a mainstream media you know, interview and trash the people and the community from which she comes, right. uh, people who, who have put her in office. You know, she's not appealing to Republican voters when she does this. She's appealing to tastemakers in the corporate press and corporate donors. That's who she's appealing to because that's her real constituency. Well, in a sense, it makes you think that if she's not chasing voters, which she clearly isn't, She's chasing another highly paid job somewhere in politically right. correct corporate America. Yeah, and she's proven very adept at that. Uh, we, we all know her history with Boeing after being, you know, sort of arranging some sweetheart deals as governor of South Carolina for Boeing and then going to sit on, on the board. How's she's Boeing like doing these days, by the way? <laughs> yeah, right. They hired uh, Nikki Haley and then all of their airplanes started falling apart. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, this is this, this, she's like a walking stereotype of, of the sort of revolving door of the Washington establishment and, the, and corporate lobbying. Do you? Uh, it's, it's actually sad to see. Yeah, it really is. But it's but in a sense, it's it's uh, it's helpful. It's a useful um, case study yeah. in the way a lot of people are in Washington, actually. But few are quite as brazen as Nikki Haley. Yeah, exactly. It's clarifying, especially now that it, you know it actually is a two-person race, and so you can see the contrast uh, between Nikki Haley and somebody like Trump, who you know, for being a, a former president and really running as an incumbent and the head of the Republican Party, is in in every way still an outsider to the establishment in D.C., which is why they hate him so much, and which is why they're backing Nikki Haley and will do whatever they can, even throw him in prison to prevent him from getting back into the White House. Uh, John Daniel Davidson, you know, like I said at the outset, um, Ron DeSantis did drop out over the weekend of the race ahead of these votes today in New Hampshire. Uh, my impression upon seeing him drop out on Sunday of all days was that he had decided, you know what, I want to make sure that whatever the Haley thing is gets absolutely strangled in the cradle, that it is that it is suffocated in New Hampshire. Is that right? Do you think that that's part of the reason DeSantis dropped out? I think that's part of it, certainly. Um, it, you know, the fact that they finished more or less neck and neck in Iowa, I think, is, was uh, uh, not encouraging for him. It's not what his, his campaign was hoping for. Uh, I also think he was thinking of his own political future and sort of seeing the writing on the wall that this, the, the party really does belong to Trump and Trump's movement. And if he wants a future in the party in national politics, then he needs to be part of that movement, not standing in opposition to it. Um, so, I, you know, it, is, it was a savvy move to get out what he did. Um, uh, you know, I'm sort of discouraged to see the very next day he decided to, like, take a shot at Trump for some reason. I, I don't know who's advising him to do that, but um, at least he was able to get out at the right time. There are, I think there are some raw feelings, but, man, he's, he's a great governor, and uh, it bodes very well for the future of the party. Uh, if uh, guys like that uh, rise to power. So thank you very much. John Daniel Davidson, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. 
Hey, thanks for having me. That's uh, John Daniel Davidson. I, I do want to bring you some more audio from New Hampshire as those as the polls are open and voters are showing up today in the first in the nation primary. Uh, Nikki Haley was asked this week, uh, this is yesterday, if uh, by by an attendee, if she would marry him, if she would marry him. Now, my understanding is Nikki Haley is married already. They say, uh, but Nikki Haley. Uh, answered his question with another question. Will you vote for me? Listen to how this went down. But you know what? We've got a lot on the line here. We really do. And you look at what's happening in this election. Yes. (laughs) Are you going to vote for me? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, it may be a little hard to hear. (laughs) She she goes, are you going to vote for me? And he begrudgingly kind of says, uh, I'm voting for Trump, he says, and the audience starts booing him. Uh, get out of here. Get out of here. Get him out, someone yells. Not allowed to be in here. Uh, so there's that. Meanwhile, uh, Trump's campaign sounded very different. Vivek Ramaswamy was there with Trump last night. I think Trump's figured out that Vivek's a massive hit, so he keeps bringing him out. If you want to seal the border, vote Trump. If you want to restore law and order in this country, vote Trump. If you want to defeat the deep state, vote Trump. If you want to fight inflation, vote Trump. If you want to revive national pride in this country, vote Trump. If you want to revive our national identity in this country, vote Trump. If you want to make America great again, vote Trump. That's how we're going to win this in a landslide in November, like Reagan delivered in 1980. All right, so Donald Trump all all pumped about that. The audience pumped about that. Uh, Trump last night, remember we were speculating, like, hey, why did Trump come out against the centralized bank digital currency? Remember the CBDC, which uh, we've got plenty of uh, globalists and and, uh, American politicians who'd like to force us into which is a digital currency rather than your paper. And here is Trump last night saying it was Vivek who warned him about this, and now he's against it. And this I do for Vivek because he's very big into it. I happen to agree with him, but he said, could you mention this? I will never. He said, I love Vivek. We, I love him too now. I didn't love him when he was running, but I like him now. It's amazing the way you can like somebody when you win, right? But Vivek is great. He's really great. But he wanted this, and I'll give him full credit for it. It's very important, actually. I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. That's an applause line. I'm for it. Thank you for taking that up. Uh, A good one. Uh, Tim Scott, also of South Carolina, as the primary is going to barrel along the South Carolina, the senator there has endorsed Donald Trump and, in fact, appeared in New Hampshire with him last night. We have another one. Everybody knows him. And today was a big story, the biggest story out there. He's engaged to be married. We never thought this was going to happen. What's going on? We never thought. A very, very fine person, a a man that we work so closely and I work so closely with. He was in the Senate. He's been there now a long time. 58 years old. One of the most respected people in all of Washington, Senator Tim Scott. Yeah, he is engaged to be married. Uh, the Washington Post. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, a possible VP pick, is engaged to be married. His girlfriend, Mindy Noche, he, they got, they, uh, they, uh, she said yes on Saturday evening at the beach 
in Kiowa Island. Is, it, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure if you do. South Carolina. Uh, but there, there they are in South Carolina. Uh, good for Tim Scott. Tim Scott last night sounding like this. All right, all right, all right. If you want four more years of Donald Trump, let me hear you scream. <laughs> Little Howard Dean moment. If you want the race to be over tomorrow, let me hear you scream. <laughs> All, right. All right, so we'll see. We'll see. There's Tim Scott uh, last night uh, supporting, as Donald Trump would say, your favorite president <laughs> last night in New Hampshire. And the uh, the results are coming in. And these exit polls that Fox is releasing today are fascinating because – uh, nobody likes Biden. That's the that's the message of all of this. Everyone thinks the economy's crappy, and even the Democrats are saying that should Biden become the nominee, at least 10% of them will not be supporting him in November. Does that bode well for Trump? Well, if we have an honest election, yes. Otherwise, all right, Phil is on the phone. Phil calls in, and here he is, line one. Hello, Phil, you're on the Vince Colony Show. Hey, Vince, look, I just want to know why Nikki Haley, has anybody asked Nikki Haley why she doesn't like her first name? Because I love that first name. Nimrata is a badass first name. I mean, she sounds like a Indian superhero, you know? She could have a Snake Plissken moment and say, they call me Nimrata. You know? Yeah, it's kind of cool yeah. if you say it the right way. Yeah. yeah. I, it is a weird thing. I mean, it's yeah, like... I, 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 like they get really upset when you point out that her, her real name is Nemorata, it, that it, which it is. It turns out, the, the, at least according to the internet, that's her first name, and her middle name is Nikki. I guess I don't know. I don't think it's just a nickname. I think it may may actually be her official middle name. Middle name, but she goes by Nikki. Uh, but everyone she's very upset about Nemorata. I'm like, man, I've there's a lot more things to get upset about than people calling you your first name. I, absolutely, I love that name. My name is Phil, which is something you throw in a hole. So, you know, I mean, Nimrata sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. You know, and others point to the fact like, hey, what's the deal? Why not just use your first name? It's kind of phony to use your middle name to substitute. And uh, maybe that's exactly. maybe that's an explainer. Thanks, Phil. Thank Phil. Phil likes Nimrata, and he'd like that to be. Maybe Phil would vote for Nimrata if she would use that in her campaign material. That's how enamored he is by her name. <laughs> Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I had the best time. That's it was great. challenging, but it was like the show. It doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're this not. This was a dream. It's no fun. Genuinely. That's and if it beautiful. wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like, yeah, it like, was. Hey, it was fine. Because yes. I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Holy cow. Holy cow. Uh, let's see. Uh, I do have some other uh, uh, audio for you here. Uh, the World Economic Forum, meanwhile, as, as we're debating American politics, they'd like to take control of your life. A Swiss banker and World Economic Forum leader called Hubert Keller this week is advocating that you stop drinking coffee entirely to save the planet. We'll be having our coffee before the session, and, and you raised the coffee example. I'd love just to give you the chance to expand on that. Basically, the coffee that we all drink... Basically, you do not drink coffee at all. Um, ...emits between 15 and 20 tons of CO2 per ton of coffee. How many tons of carbon does this guy emit? So we should all know that this is every time we drink coffee, we are basically putting CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, the other and one of the reasons is because most of the coffee plants. They really want us to suffer, don't they? 
Coffee is a gift from God. Coffee is a gift. It's a productivity gift. It is fantastic. It's a delicious gift of productivity. And they're looking to rob you of that. No more coffee for you. I was looking it up earlier just to verify. I went down a rabbit hole this morning after I heard that clip. It's like, that guy's crazy. And then I discovered, do you know what else they're against? Wood burning. You're not supposed to burn wood either. So you can't burn coal. You can't burn natural gas. Wood produces too much carbon. And remember, they were saying it's the modern world that's destroying the planet. Well, as long as humans have figured out how to rub sticks together, we've been burning wood. And now we're not allowed to do that anymore? <laughs> I'm starting to think they don't really care about us. <laughs> hey, you know who cares about you? The great one, Mark Levin. And he's up next right here on the legendary WMAL. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I was in, like, in a company, and I don't know, like, how marketing, sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah, and... Like Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. To that. Remind me not to quote any hip-hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. <laughs> when you first said it, I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.